This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Amir Awadala, the Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder of Cloudera. We discuss the footprint of Cloudera as a data and analytics platform in Asia and the implications of the fourth industrial revolution with artificial intelligence and automation of jobs. Hi, Amma. Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. So you're in Singapore for the first time? Uh, not first time. No, I've been here like four or five times before. And I'm talking to Amma Awadala, Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder of Cloudera. I spoke to your colleague that last year. Yeah, nice. So you are here this time in town. Mm-hmm. What are you here for? For the second time that we have Strata Hadoop World, which is our flagship conference around big data and data science. We do it in about five cities across the world every year. And Singapore is one of these key cities. And I understand through looking through your background, you have a very interesting story. So mm-hmm. how do you start your career then? I'll go back actually since I was very young. Sorry, uh, hopefully you have enough time. <laughs> you have all the time in the world. You have all the time in the world. When I was very young, my father uh, always told me, when you grow up, you're going to be like me. And my father is a professor. He teaches accounting and economics at uh, Cairo University in Egypt. So ever since I was a very young uh, boy, I always wanted to grow up and be like my dad, uh, be, be a professor. I did not uh, specialize in economics. I specialized more in engineering because I really liked computers. And then I came to uh, Stanford in the United States, uh, California, to get my PhD degree. And my goal was to get my PhD degree and then go back to Egypt and teach. That was my goal, 100%. I was 25 years old at the time. But then Stanford is a very entrepreneurial school. So from day one, they hit you with uh, entrepreneur courses, how to start companies. Uh, They invite speakers from the industries to talk about how they started their own companies. So I frequently joke and say I got corrupted very quickly and I said, <laughs> forget about this teaching thing. I'm going to start companies instead. So that's kind of briefly how I, I started doing what I'm doing right now. From your experience as an entrepreneur and an angel investor and also corporate leader across Yahoo, Excel Partners, Cloudera and many others, mm-hmm. what are the interesting career lessons you can share with us? I think the most important career lesson for anybody is to make sure that you're always uh, challenging yourself that you're always learning something new from the job that you're doing. Second, to make sure that you're passionate about what you're doing. So the job you're doing is something that, not just doing it to get the money or to make income, it's actually fun. You're having fun doing it. So that would be my main two uh, pieces of advice. How do you end up joining Cloudera as a co-founder and also subsequently as the CTO as well? So while at Yahoo, I was responsible for uh, business intelligence and data analytics for a number of the Yahoo properties like uh, Yahoo News, Yahoo Finance, Yahoo Mail, Search. And I had a number of headaches or challenges while doing that at Yahoo. And uh, these headaches were how to process the data that we have fast enough. It was becoming a very big bottleneck to process all the data that we're collecting. Uh, It was becoming very expensive to store all of the data, so I wanted to be able to lower the cost of storage. It was not flexible, so uh, the systems that we had were more optimized for transactions and structured data, which we had, but then we also had semi-structured data, like logs from mobile apps or websites, and unstructured data, like images or comments that people say in social media. 
And our legacy systems couldn't work with that. And then last but not least is we wanted to do advanced analytics. So SQL, which is the most common language for working with data that most databases have, very hard to use it to do advanced analytics, meaning things like anomaly detection or pattern prediction or uh, predicting the future, clustering, et cetera, et cetera. So we wanted to be able to solve these problems. And I was lucky, as you mentioned, I met with Doug Cutting, whom you met with last year. Uh, Doug Cutting uh, was also working at Yahoo, so I met with him, and he was working with the Yahoo search team building this thing that nobody knew about called Hadoop. And I was complaining to Doug and telling him, I have all these problems, I have all these headaches, what do I do? Do you have any advice for me? And he said, dude, you have to try this thing we're building called Hadoop. It's going to solve these problems for you. And uh, I tried it in my um, uh, group, and within nine months, all of the backend I I had was switched to Hadoop. The processing times went down from nine hours for a day of data to five minutes for a day of data. The cost was 100 times uh, cheaper, and we gained the flexibility of working with any type of data and being able to do the advanced analytics that we need to do. So that's when the light bulb went off for me is, wow, this worked for me. This is going to work for many other people. And my co-founders, I had one from Facebook and another one from uh, Google, and they had seen the same things happen at these companies. So we figured Facebook, Google, and Yahoo, we simply are the future of where other companies are going to be. Every company is going to be collecting more and more data, and every company is going to have these headaches. And now we, we know how to solve these headaches. And that's mm-hmm. when we decided to get together in uh, October 2008, and we created uh, Cloudera. And of course, which is the main subject of the day, Cloudera. So yes. can you briefly talk about, introduce Cloudera, the vision, the mission, and the focus of the company then? Yes, so our main tagline that we tell our customers what we want to do for them is to allow them to ask bigger questions. So legacy systems that many companies have, legacy databases, can only answer small questions. <laughs> Usually can only count stuff and can only count stuff off of very limited sets of data. We wanted to allow our customers to go significantly beyond that. And that's really our mission. Our mission is allowing our customers to leverage the data that they have and be much more impactful on the business using that data. And then how that manifests itself is different depending on the industry. There's many, many examples across many industries, but some of my favorite ones tend to be in the medicine, in the medical space. So, uh, for example, my co-founder, Jeff Hammerbacker, he's now involved in an effort in the United States called Precision Medicine. And precision medicine is about analyzing our genome, our DNA, but also analyzing our signals that come from lab tests and our blood pressure and brain signals or whatever, and then coming up with tailored medication to cure us in much more effective ways. Because today, if you look at how we cure diseases, we make one medicine and we expect that one medicine to fix everybody. And that just doesn't work, right? It works for some people. For many others, the medicine will not work. And for many others, the medicine will have side effects that are worse than work yet. Like, not only do we not cure you, we make it worse. That's why I'm very passionate about that use case. So that's one. Another use case is in farming. So there is, I'm not sure if you know this, but obviously many of us continue to have babies and we continue to eat food. It's expected that over the next 10 years, we, not just people in the room here, but I mean all of us humans, would eat as much food as we ate in the last 1,000 years just in 10 years because of just there's so much more humans now on earth and because of big data we're living much longer right humans used to die at 60 years and now we're living to 100 years so uh, there's many farmers now across the world that are collecting lots of data from their fields 
the temperature, the sunlight conditions, the color of the crops using drones, and using all of that data to optimize the yield production to make much more crops quicker in less time across more seasons. So those are some examples, but that's the common theme, is how can we use data to make our production capacity, our businesses, much more accurate, much more efficient, and uh, much more productive. As the Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder of Caldera, what's your role and coverage there? So uh, I joke about this and I say uh, CTO stands for Chief Travel Officer (laughs) or Chief Talking Officer is another one. So for enterprise software companies, meaning companies like Cloudera or Oracle or IBM, CTO, uh, 60%, if not 70% of their time, tends to be outward facing. tends to be about meeting with customers, explaining to them and evangelizing to them how this technology can radically change how they're doing their business. So that's the primary part of my role. Now, 30% of my role is still inside Cloudera. Being one of the founders of the company, I'm responsible for the culture of the company, so setting the culture of the company, uh, but then also the strategy of the company, where we're going from a technology perspective, but not where we're going next month or next year even. It's where we're going five years from now, 10 years from now, the longer-term vision of how the company is going to evolve. You mentioned very interesting cases with precision medicine and agriculture Mm -hmm. where there is a need for big data and analytics. How does Caldera as a modern platform for data and analytics also help traditional companies out to achieve their purposes? Can you give some examples as well? There's many uh, examples across uh, industries. I'll pick a couple more which I think are exciting. So one of them is fraud, so in banking, how detect a fraudulent transaction. And I like this example because it shows you what is big data. For ATM machines, if you go to take money from an ATM machine, 20 years ago, in an ATM machine, we only tracked structured data, the transaction. Person X at time T took out Y dollars from account Z. That was the only information that we captured and the only information that we tried to use to figure out whether something is fraud or not fraud. Today, when you go to take money from an ATM machine, we're still capturing this information, but there is a camera taking a picture of your face. That's unstructured data right there. And big, that picture usually is much bigger than a transaction. If you have the mobile app for the bank on your phone, then we're tracking that you're standing right there in front of the ATM machine. If the ATM machine has a touch screen, which many of them now have touch screens, the speed with which you move your finger between different locations on the touch screen is a biometric signal for you. So all of this information is being captured. In addition to the transaction, you have this mountain of information that allows us to know now with much higher accuracy that it is you who is taking money from the ATM machine, not a thief trying to steal money from your account. So that's one example from the financial industry. Uh, Another example that I also like is from the insurance industry, from the car insurance industry. And the reason why I like this example is it combines the Internet of Things with big data together. Traditionally, when car insurance companies were pricing policies for people, they will price the policy as a function of their demographics. How old are you? Are you male or female? Uh, What's your education level? And then they will give you a policy. So in my family, I have a very low premium for my car insurance. My son, who is 20 years old, so I'm 46 years old. My son, who is 20 years old, he has a, a very high premium for his auto insurance. But the reality is my son is a much better driver than me. And it's not because he's my son that I'm saying that. He is a much better driver. He actually is very careful. He stops at the stoplights. He never speeds up. He always uses the signals. 
I, on the other hand, even though I live in the U.S. for 20 years, I was trained on how to drive in Cairo, Egypt. In Cairo, Egypt, it's so chaotic. Uh, a traffic light uh, is a hint. You can stop, but you can go. <laughs> so the lanes are also a hint. You can drive on the lane or you can drive within the middle of the lane. It doesn't matter. So my driving behavior is actually a very dangerous driving behavior. But despite that, because of my age and I'm a male, I'm getting a lower insurance than my son. So what many car insurance are doing now is installing these devices in cars that measure actually how you drive. It measures how you speed up, how you slow down, are you stopping at the right signal or not because they have GPS as well, how are you braking and hitting the brakes, are you using the signals when you turn. And, and based on that, they can come up with a much more accurate model of the probability of having a collision than your age or your sex or your uh, the color of your car, which is what they actually do today as well. Mm. So uh, in that world, my son would get a much lower premium because he is a good driver, and I will get a much higher premium, which I'd be upset about, but that will force me to drive in a much safer way, which will save my life actually in the future. So it's a good thing. How about any interesting case studies that you have seen implemented in Asia? I would say the most advanced right now in Asia is Telcom Cell, which mm. I mentioned earlier. And they're using us for a number of use cases. And our advanced customers tend to be like that, meaning they're using us for many use cases, not just for one use case. So I'll mention two of them that they're using us for. One of them is what's called Customer 360, which is about building much more accurate models about every single customer that they have. And that can be used for many things. One of the things they use it for is doing what's called churn prediction, meaning predicting whether one of their customers two months from now, three months from now, will stop using them, will stop using their SIM card and switch to a competitor's SIM card. And historically, that has been done by looking at whether somebody is paying their bill or not. But that's usually a lagging indicator. By the time somebody reduces paying their bill, they already are leaving you. But now by looking at the usage, which apps they're installing, how much traffic they're consuming, they can come up with much more accurate models that this specific user is upset at us right now. They probably are going to leave us two months from now or three months from now. Let's give them an offer to retain them uh, with us. So that's one example. The other example is they are anonymously, and many telecoms do this, not just telecom cell, collecting the, ge the geolocation data of the customers. Which locations are the phones traveling? And not just within streets, but even within big malls, within big shopping malls. And they assemble all the data in aggregate, anonymously, and then they sell it back to many institutions. They sell it back to the government, so the government can do better, uh, better planning for their roads. They sell it back to companies like Uber, so they can better plan the fleets that they have and route against traffic. They sell it to companies like Starbucks, so that they can analyze within a shopping mall where is the area that has more footfall, so we can go and open a store there. The reason why I like this example is this is one of the examples where the data itself becomes the product. The data itself becomes the revenue stream. So how does Cloudera distinguish itself from the other platforms in the data analytics space then? So first we are, again, I'm biased obviously, I'm one of the founders and I work for us, but we are the first company in the space. That's true, that's true. In 2008, when we started Cloudera, we were the only company doing a big data platform based on Hadoop and, uh, and open source. That gave us a two-year advantage compared to anybody else out there. There was no other companies doing it until two years later competition started to show up. And this advantage, we turned it into um, a number of things. First, the product features that we have, right? So we built product features around enterprise readiness, 
When it comes to security, not, nobody else has the security features that we have. When it comes to performance, how quickly does the platform process data? Uh, we are significantly ahead of competition. And then when it comes to ease of use, how easy it is to install and integrate this platform into an existing enterprise, we are significantly ahead of competition. So that's mainly how we differentiate ourselves from a product perspective. But there's two other very important aspects. One is the partner ecosystem. This technology doesn't just work in vacuum. It works with many other uh, software technologies. We have more than 2,600 partners that we work with. Some of these are software partners like Tableau or MicroStrategy or Microsoft. But some of these are uh, solution integrator partners like Accenture or TCS or Infosys. And if you have a large partner ecosystem, then that makes it much easier for companies to adopt you. And our partner ecosystem is much bigger than any of our competition right now. And then last but not least, because we have been doing this the longest within banking, within governments, within telecommunication companies, within agriculture companies, health companies, we have built a significant knowledge base of know-how in terms of how to implement these technology within these different industries. And that gives us a significant edge over overall competition as well. What are the best practices and tips for large organizations to look out for before they start on big data? What would be your advice? Yeah. Work with Caldera. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure. But, but I mean, the, the most important piece of advice, partially joking when I say that, but I mean, yes, I would say in any in any endeavor, whenever you're starting, it, it, and if it's your first time, it, it, it behooves you to work with the best in the industry to be able to be successful. And I believe Caldera is the best when it comes to big data. But then separate from that, the most important thing when it comes to big data and data science and machine learning and AI is a lot of companies are afraid of it. They're afraid of even starting to do it. And that is the biggest mistake to do. Right? So the biggest mistake is ignoring this wave until it's too late that you will never be able to catch up with your competition. And that's what lots of companies across the industries are realizing right now, that we are going through a data revolution right now that is not dissimilar from the industrial revolution. And during industrial revolution, the companies and the countries that figured out how to leverage machines to build things were the ones that won. And the ones that did not fell behind. And something very similar is going to happen with data as well. So if I reverse the question, what are the potential pitfalls and mistakes that any company should avoid when leveraging on data? Not working with Cloudera. Well, (laughs) but of course, I mean, there's already one. uh, The biggest pitfall Mm -hmm. uh, is not identifying what is the business use case that I will start adopting this platform with? So some companies say, I'm going to start doing this because I want to do big data. That will fail. It fails all the time. No, the right way to do this is look at your business and we can help you look at your business and figure out what is the business problem that is most suitable to be significantly improved using this data. And then you go do that. So that's the the pitfall that, that some companies do is trying to do big data just for big data's sake, uh, for technology's sake, that's the biggest mistake you could do. As cybersecurity is becoming increasingly important, how does organizations derive maximum value from their data while ensuring that they're protected against risk? Yeah. So uh, I have two answers to that question mm-hmm. because there's two angles to it. The first answer is, does Cloudera have enough features in its platform that enables me to have a secure environment? So I'm not worried about data leakage or um, data threats. And the answer to that question is yes, absolutely. And uh, don't just take my word for it. MasterCard is one of our largest customers. They have a 10 petabyte environment with us, storing the most sensitive credit card transaction data you could think of under very strict 
uh, regulations called the PCI, the Payment Card Industry Regulation, and we achieved all of these certifications. That's one thing. The other thing is public knowledge. Many intelligence agencies across the world use us. The, the one I can mention by name is the CIA. The CIA in the United States uses us to store a lot of that data, and they wouldn't be using us if the system was not secure. If the system does not have the proper encryption, the proper auditing, the proper access control and authentication to prevent any cybersecurity threats. So that's one angle to answer your question. The other angle to answer your question is one of the most common use cases of our platform. So not just the fact that we have security when you are using us, but one of the use cases that customers use us for is cybersecurity. So traditional cybersecurity systems tend to be what's called rule-based. Rule-based meaning you see how the hacker is going to hack you, and then you come up with a rule that triggers alerts whenever somebody does that. But that is reactive, which means that you always have a window of time where the hacker will be able to hack you until you come up with a new rule that catches them. And our system, uh, because it does have uh, machine learning techniques in it, is able to come up with new rules automatically. So it learns from the behavior, and it detects there is an what's called anomaly prediction. It detects there is a weird behavior going on right now, and it creates a new rule automatically to catch that an attack is taking place. So Intel, which is one of our biggest investors, actually Intel is our largest investor, they use our platform entirely for cybersecurity of the Intel infrastructure, and they built an open source solution now called Apache Spot. And Apache Spot, S-P-O-T, runs on top of our platform, and does exactly that. So it learns about all the network traffic patterns and then automatically detects if there's a weird pattern going on. There's two computers that are talking to each other that normally do not talk to each other. And there's data now being compromised so that you can go and investigate that. That's interesting because it's coming to another subject that I wanted to talk to you regarding the opportunities and challenges in the fourth industrial revolution. I wanted to first get a better definition of what do you mean by the fourth industrial revolution? I mean, for me, we talk about artificial intelligence. I work in the field. I think about that. How do you describe the fourth industrial revolution? It's getting machines, meaning computers, to learn from us and do things better than us, quicker than us. An example of that is doctors. So if you look at what doctors do, doctors are pattern matching engines. What a doctor does when you go in for a doctor, they look at your blood lab tests, they look at your heart rate, they look at your temperature, and then they try to figure out, okay, you have a flu right now. Or no, you have a bad kidney and you need to go in for surgery. If you look at that, that is a purely a pattern matching problem that can be automated with machines with much higher accuracy, with much higher consistency, and much higher predictability. So that's what I mean when I say the data revolution. And that's just one example of it. That same pattern will happen in agriculture, will happen in manufacturing, will happen in cybersecurity, will happen in banking, etc., etc., etc. What are the features and properties on this industrial revolution different from the machine age? I mean, part of it is actually the displacement of labor with technology. Yes. So how do you see there may be machines there, but you know that we are too reliant on the machines then? We will be too reliant on the machines. That, that will happen, but that's a good thing. Right, So if I have a machine, for example, uh, self-driving cars, if you look at self-driving cars, the, if you look at the thesis behind self-driving cars, why Tesla is investing so much in it and Google and so on, because there's lots of statistics that show that so many people die in car accidents every year because of us as humans making mistakes all the time, getting distracted with our cell phone, getting distracted with uh, putting makeup in the car, or getting distracted checking out somebody cute walking down the street, right, and having an accident. And that computers will not do that. 
right? When you are driving in a car and the computer is driving the car, it will not get distract distracted. And hence, yes, I'm relying on it, but I'm relying on it because that's going to make me much safer. If you look at airplanes today, most airplanes, they manned by computers today. Yes, the pilot is there in case the computer has any challenges while landing, but the, the computer is taking care of the landing consistently in the same way over and over again without making mistakes. But what are the key challenges and opportunities for business today in this fourth industrial revolution? I mean, part of it is not just being automation. That's the last age. I think a lot of it is today is about mass customization then. No, I wouldn't say automation was the last age. So I don't think we achieved the promise of automation. So that's why we're mm -hmm. in this. We automated the most basic tasks. That's what we have done in the past. We took the most basic tasks, like accounting and finances and whatever, and we automated that. But there's so many higher level order tasks, like the self-driving car, like doctors, like lawyers, which I would like to see lawyers get replaced, that have not been automated yet. And that's where the, the potential lies, is in automating these kind of tasks. What's the world beyond big data analytics? I mean, I will be much more curious in the near term. What will we be seeing in 2017? Look, 2017 is very close by, so that's, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's just a year. <laughs> it's ago. only a couple of days uh, ago. But yeah. very easy. I, can, I mean, I, Cloudera, for next year, we're working on two things. The first thing we're working on is how to make this platform easy to consume and easy to use within the cloud. So, so believe it or not, 80% of our customers today are on-premise. They're running our technology inside of their own data centers as opposed to running it in cloud environments. So one of the big efforts that we have is how to make this platform run in a more smooth, hybrid way across multiple clouds. The second thing that we're very focused on for next year is how to make data science easier. So there is a huge gap when it comes to data science skills. There isn't that many people in the world that know how to truly leverage data science. And the solution to that is twofold. One is to train people how to be better at data science, which we have been doing. And that's why we have the Caldera Data Science Week going on right now. But the other angle is to create tools that simplify and make it easier to build data science algorithms. So that's our focus for next year, 2017. Would I hazard a guess that that's also to help to train more people to get into data science as well, because that will create the new jobs Absolutely. with automation. Yeah, there you go, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I were running a government right now, one of the key areas where I invest in training more students and turning more talents is around that. And I think that ends on a positive note. So it's interesting for you to share about what Caldera is doing and also what the new industrial revolution is going to be. Mm -hmm. So help my audience, Amir. How do my audience find you? So uh, my, with my last name. So the, my last name is unique enough. There isn't enough people that have my last name <laughs> in the world. So if you just search for my last name, Awadala, A-W-A-D-A-L-L-A-H, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, you'll find me. You can find me at bleongcw.bernardlong.com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E Asia. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and Tune in and of course Google Play only in the US market and of course drop me a comments anytime. So Amir, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. It was really fun.